Just remember what objections really are. They are little roadblocks and concerns that show that a customer is engaged, that a prospect wants to talk this through. They're bringing up issues that need to get past. And as a salesperson, you need to draw them out. Welcome to the Sales Prescription Podcast with Ron Halbert and Rusty Jensen. You know, there's all kinds of problems that can prevent you from being successful, both personally and professionally. And we are here to help write you some highly effective and broad spectrum sales prescriptions. And all you have to do is fill them. So Ron, today we're talking about overcoming objections. One of my favorite things to talk about, Rusty, for sure. (laughs) I think overcoming objections is one of those things where a lot of salespeople are afraid of objections, like they're afraid of what someone's going to say. But I think some of the best salespeople out there are looking for the objections. They're looking for the concerns that happen overall. And we're going to talk a little bit about throughout this, like what an objection is, how you should handle objections, why you should be looking for objections. You know, I, I want to start us off and, and just tell you a little bit about my background. So most of our listeners know I got my start in sales doing door to door in the pest control industry. And I used to love taking someone from a no to a yes. It was always like the very best thing to do. It almost felt like cheating, Rusty, when I would knock on someone's door. This didn't happen very often, but when I'd knock on someone's door, I sold pest control. And they would be like, oh man, I have a major spider issue. Yeah, I need to get this done right away. It almost felt like cheating. You know, like it didn't happen very often, but I was like, I was happy, but at the same time, I was like, man, I don't feel as fulfilled, you know? Maybe you need to cut your commission for those. Exactly, right? But when they would start out and be like, oh, I I spray myself. I take care of this myself. And then you can take them from that to signing a contract in 20 minutes. That is where you're walking down the sidewalk to the next house with your chest puffed out, feeling all proud of yourself. You know, what's cool about it is it's not just because you talk them into it. It's because you showed them that there's a better way, right? Because it's not all about pride. It's about showing people, hey, there's a better way to do this that's more efficient, that's more effective, that's going to save you time. And knowing that someone is getting an awesome value for what you're offering, right? Not all salespeople are just about the pride of closing a deal, but it's more the pride of taking someone that doesn't understand that there's a better way to do what they're doing and showing them how to do it in a way that they feel super excited about when you leave. Like I no longer have to deal with the wasp nests that are above my door. I no longer have to deal with, you know, and that's just the pest control example, right? But many people listening to this are are selling software and, and if there's true value in what you're selling, that's what's exciting. You were able to show the value and get them to a point where they went from a no to a yes. When selling starts, is when the objections begin. Because that's, that's really what selling is. You, you are actually helping people through a thought process in order to make decisions. And when people have objections or concerns, or they have a specific position that they're voicing with you, your job is to start selling at that point. We're not just taking orders here. You know, as a salesperson, all, all of the skill and everything that we're, we're trying to get from you that you're trying to provide to the market is the fact that when somebody has a specific concern or position, that you have the ability to help them through the thought process to make a decision that's advantageous for your company. 
And if you're in any company that's worth their salt, you are offering something that's going to help them. You are. You just have to help them to see that. And, and that's when the selling begins, when the objections start. So let me ask you this, Rusty. What is an objection in your mind? Because I think there's a couple different types of objections, but when we just use the word objection, what is that in terms of sales? That's a great question because I think there's a, there's a confusion between something like an objection and something like somebody just brushing you off, right? So we maybe can address both. Maybe you can talk about the brush off component, but really an objection is anybody who you talk to, if you approach them and you start having a conversation about any product, any service, anything, most people feel like where they are, current steady state, they're in a good position with whatever it might be. If you're talking to them about software systems, pest control, whatever it is, it's not always top of mind that they have a specific concern or problem. And so when you start having a conversation with them and talking to them about a specific issue or about a certain scenario, such as with Conga, the way that people generate contracts, documents, legal documents, and negotiate them, how do they do that? A lot of times when you start presenting that concept and you have a conversation, they're going to then reflect on this is everything that we have set up and this is how we do things. And typically people are generally in concept okay with what they do. Now, as you talk to them, as you engage with them, and you start bringing points forward of things for them to think about, what happens is people start genuinely thinking about what you're saying and the situation, and they offer an objection, which is essentially a position point that says, this is where I am and this is how it's happening, or this is a question or concern that I have, and they offer it up to be addressed in the conversation. And an objection is a literal thoughtful and genuine response to the conversation and what they're hearing. And it's actually a very good thing from a sales perspective. That's what an objection is. And so when you hear an objection, your goal as a salesperson is to take it in, digest it, and then respond to it in a way that helps you progress forward in the sales process. Because oftentimes when people put up objections, it is a concern point, And a lot of times it is make or break. This is my concern. Can you resolve that? And if there's a path around it and you can help them see the path to a better way, you can then get through the sales cycle. So genuinely, that's what an objection is. Yeah. So it's really just a question that's like a legitimate question they have about what you're offering at the end of the day. And you have to remember there's a difference between like an objection that's a legitimate question and just an overall brush off, right? A brush off is not a legitimate concern. A brush off is how do I get you off the phone right now? Because I don't want to continue to have this conversation, right? And you do need to recognize the difference between a brush off and an objection. Because an objection, you need to make sure that they're walking away from it with a full and complete answer to solve the problem that they have at hand. If you feel like it's a brush off, you need to think about the person's time. I don't have a ton of time because most of the time they're just trying to get you off the phone. An actual objection wouldn't be, I don't have time for this right now, right? That's more of a brush off. I'm walking into a meeting. I'm not the right person might be a brush off. I've looked at your company and we're not interested. You know, I've seen it before. Things like that, those are not legitimate objections that you can resolve in the moment. Those are just brush offs. Now you do have to overcome brush offs. And I always tell my reps, and I've been saying this for a long time, if they didn't have time 
for a couple minutes, they wouldn't have answered the phone. So if this brush off is coming in the form of a phone call, it's okay to overcome the brush off. You shouldn't take a ton of time trying to pitch them when you're getting brush off after brush off because what might be ideal is just scheduling a second call where they will have time and actually going through and discussing in more detail, right? But you just have to be careful with brush offs and you have to be good at recognizing the difference between a true concern or a true objection and a brush off. And it kind of makes me think like, why do people object? Like, why is there a reason for a real objection? And the reasons why there's a real objection in place, Rusty, is when they're not a believer in what you're saying. They haven't bought in to your product or your company yet. The other issue is you haven't built enough rapport. They don't trust you. So they may begin to question and have true objections and true concerns because you haven't earned their trust enough yet. And those things are things that you have to do. Yeah, they may not actually believe what you individually are saying. They may say, okay, great. And then they're going to go and actually look for an answer. They may even still be interested, but that, that's very true. Yeah, I mean, it's you have to earn that trust with people, right? And, and unfortunately, when you're a sales guy or a sales gal, when you go into conversations, people are going to assume that you don't care as much about them as you do about money. They're going to assume that what you want is money out of them, and that's it. And so if that's the case, then they're not seeing value in what you're presenting either, right? You need to show them the value in what you're offering. It's not just about you. It's about the prospect. It's about their needs. So you haven't explained it fully enough. And then, you know, lastly, my favorite types of objections, Rusty, are the ones that are strategic objections that are specifically working their way to a negotiation. So you'll have like throughout the sales cycle, you'll have objections come up where what they're trying to do is position for better pricing. So they bring up objections in order to kind of dig themselves into a little bit of a, uh, well, you can't do this. So it seems like the price should be lower for whatever reason. So those are my favorite kind. That's a good sign. Those are very good signs because that usually means they're going to buy, right? Or there's, there's at least interest in buying. So we do a lot of like objection handling trainings here at our organization. And and we have been doing this for a very long time, Rusty. Maybe you can kind of speak to our AAA objection handling methodology that we have. Absolutely. Yeah. And when we're talking AAA, we're not talking roadside assistance here, Ron. We're not talking, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous accelerated. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about how you manage objections and concerns that people bring up. And again, it's something you want as a salesperson. That's when you start to sell. So the AAA methodology is really you acknowledge, you answer, and you ask. So the first piece of acknowledging, by acknowledging a prospect's objection, you show that you're listening. And you actually want to validate what it is that they're saying. So As a salesperson, one of the things that people feel like is that you never listen. You're not going to listen to their concerns. You're not going to pay attention to what they want or need. And actually, when you show that and you just kind of ignore what somebody is saying and then immediately do a rebuttal, it's actually a very big turnoff. Like it's something that people do not like to experience. What they want to experience is, hey, I completely understand what you're saying. They want validation. 
and they want to know that it's a common concern and something that's brought up often. And once somebody feels like that concern is validated, they feel like they've been listened to. I mean, have you ever been in a conversation, Ron, where, you know, you have a conversation or you listen to like a debate and the people in the debate just keep saying the same thing over and over. One side says something, the other person says a rebuttal. Then the other side says the same thing again in a different way. And the other person says the rebuttal in the same way. And they don't actually acknowledge, accept, or seek to understand what the other's saying. That's not a comfortable conversation. Salespeople do it all the time because they're not acknowledging it. So you got to slow down the, the conversation when somebody brings up a concern. And then you say something like, sure, I completely understand that. That's, that's a common question and concern that comes up and then move to answer it and then move to, to move forward. And I love that word. Sure. Ron, don't you? It's one of my favorites. I mean, I, I talk about the word sure all the time because if you look it up in the dictionary, Rusty, the word sure means in the affirmative. So it means yes, but most of the time when people say the word sure, they actually mean no or okay. They don't mean like it's not a, a full on yes. It's a it's a partial yes. So the word sure can carry a lot of weight when overcoming objections because you don't want to validate the concern too much. You don't want them to feel like, oh, that's a real concern you should have, right? Unless it is, right? Unless it is a, a genuine concern or problem with your product or something. You don't want to oversell or or mislead people. But for the most part, you don't want to over-validate an objection. So the word sure is the perfect way to validate that you've heard them, that you understand the question, and then moving on from there. I use the example, I think I did this in in a past podcast, but I use the example of my wife, right? If I walk into the, the front room after work today and I say, hey, hey, babe, you want to go get Mexican food for dinner? If she says, sure, what does that mean, right? <laughs> It means, it means, okay, if that's what you want, but it actually means no, right? Like that's not what she wants. And I can tell that's not what she wants. So when we use the word sure, we can acknowledge without actually fully validating everything that they're saying. And, and as you do that, one of the great prospecting and great sales tips that you want to try to, to illustrate is, as Ron said, you don't want to over validate but one of the things you can do is you can show that you're listening and you can accept what they're saying and validate it by saying, you know, sure, that's a common thing that's brought up. Um, in fact, a lot of people use X vendor. You know, we've, we've seen they're, they're a good company with some good technology. But the reason why Conga really stands out, what you can do paraverbally if you listen to that is you can actually minimize a concern based on how you handle it. So when you slow down in your response, you take it, yeah, sure. And you restate it and say, no, that's a common issue. Or they say, no, I like to do it myself. A lot of people do it themselves and, you know, they get some, some decent results. What you're doing is you're not saying anything negative, but paraverbally what you're doing is you're illustrating that, yeah, that's common. And, and you're helping them see that the point that they made isn't that important because you're not overly getting aggressive after it. If you start speaking faster when you validate, yeah, yeah, you, well, look, you start going faster, you start tripping in, you start getting big in terms of how you pitch. Um, people actually will shut down. They won't listen and then they'll think that you're scrambling. 
So they'll feel like the point was good. But if you go slow, you lower your tone of voice, your, your paraverbals are kind of slow. Sure. You minimize it. And then when you move to the next step, which is to answer the concern, you then maximize your answer. And so the way that you answer a concern is really in three ways. You can make a statement that helps kind of disrupt the thought pattern and guide the conversation. So a good, strong statement about your, you know, your, your, the concept, the, the response, the rebuttal can help to form the conversation. The next thing you can do is give a statistic. So you can help them understand that you actually know quite a bit about the concept and bring in some, some data that can help validate the position that you provide. And the third, which is even much, much, much better, is to provide a story that's related to their concern that helps generate a similar, it's a similar situation with a really positive outcome. I want to add to that, Rusty, especially the storytelling portion of it, right? Like I always recommend when, you know, when I have sales developers reach out to me for advice and counsel, even from other companies, I recommend that they spend a decent amount of time on their website looking at customer testimonials. So if their website has customer testimonials, they should come to know those very closely because inside of customer testimonials, you're going to see the same concerns that you're going to talk to people about all day, every day. And you're going to be able to say so-and-so at Nike had that same concern, that same problem, and this is how we helped them solve the problem. It is the best way to respond to an objection. Just don't lie, right? Be honest about it. And in order to be honest about it, it requires you to spend a lot of time researching and knowing what your company's done and what your customers think of your your company. Um, I was just at a conference this last this week, actually, in Vegas. I stayed at the Bellagio, one of the first big in-person conferences I've been to since COVID. Rusty was pretty crazy seeing thousands of people together. Mm-hmm. But at the conference, I loved talking to customers in the booth and having them tell us, this is what I love about your product. This is what you did for our organization. And through those conversations, I'm like, man, this is like a gold mine of information to help overcome objections. But the challenge is, is how do you get that information? So I do recommend talking to leaders in your organizations, or if you are a leader in your organization, you should start compiling stories, start compiling data. I know at our company, our product marketing team is doing that right now. They're gathering as many stories as possible about customers we've helped so that you can overcome the objections in the best way possible, which is not only have we heard that before, but we've solved it before. And this is how. It's powerful. Yeah. And p- people just respond to it really well because then it helps them to see, especially when it's their situation. And this can be direct and overt objections or even just casual objections. You know, we're kind of happy with what we have today. I say, no, I completely understand that. I mean, obviously, you know, the, the company like yours and kind of the success that I've heard you have, I, I can't imagine that, uh, that there's, you know, anything in the company that's not running well. But one of the things that we found is we worked with this company, Crocs, as we went through and, and mapped out all of their processes, things they were doing. Things were running, running well. I mean, they're a successful company. But when we started putting Conga in place, we started designing all of the automation. We were able to actually decrease the time to get a quote out by 4X. Like it literally took 
25% of the time for somebody to get a quote out, get it out to the customers, get contracts signed and negotiated after we deployed that process. And it's not like it was broken before. It just had a huge improvement. And you notice as you, as you tell a story like that or you talk about something like that, you're validating, you're minimizing, you're saying, hey, that's great, but you're, you're paraverbally minimizing. But then you maximize the story. You can hear that in there where you start emphasizing these are really positive things. Now, you're not getting overly salesy, but you are emphasizing. You're validating, you're emphasizing, you're turning it around, you tell a story. And by the way, you can't argue with a story. You can't. You can argue with a statement, you can disagree with it, you can potentially argue a statistic, depending on what's the source. But you're really hard to argue a story. So it's, it's a great way to do it. Just make sure it's true. So from that point, right, once you acknowledge an answer, we can't just leave it there. So you can't just leave the specific you know, concern at that point. What we need to do at that point is to be assumptive and then move past it. So as you answer concerns and you want to move past those concerns, we need, then need to ask a question that sort of changes the subject that moves on. So once a, a specific concern is acknowledged and discussed, right? acknowledged, you've answered it, you've discussed it, and you've gone past that as a concern, we then need to move the conversation forward so that we can, we can progress. So we would ask like a follow-up question. We would keep it open-ended, but we would ensure that the question is, is kind of moving past that point. So if somebody says, you know, that's, that's not what's going on. So we could say, you know, so what I'd like to do is actually schedule some time. We can sit down we can talk through some of the processes you're using today and look where some of those operational improvements are. And so that's, that's what I would like to do. Maybe have a conversation next Thursday or when you have a little bit of time, let's, let's talk about that. Does that work for you? So we can do that or we can do this and give them some choices. But the third thing we do is we ask and we advance. So AAA methodology, acknowledge the concern, minimize it through paraverbals, address it with an answer, statement, statistic, or story, maximize that answer, and then ask progress the sale, move to the next point that needs to be addressed. And just remember what objections really are. They are little roadblocks and concerns that show that a customer is engaged, that a prospect wants to talk this through. They're bringing up issues that need to get passed. And as a salesperson, you need to draw them out, right? You need to bring out as many concerns as you can and get them addressed because no one's going to complete a sales process or do a sale until everything that they can think of is accounted for and they've addressed any specific concerns and they've made a decision and feel good about it. So it's important to draw them out. Yeah. If you're not hearing concerns, you're not going to win a deal. I guarantee it. So, you know, look for the concerns that they'll have. Everyone has concerns. Even my example earlier when I was selling pest control on the doors, right? People that had a major bug problem in their home, they still have concerns with buying from some random dude that knocked on their door. Like, it's just, I didn't have to get through the initial pitch to get to the concerns, right? They're going to come closer to the buying time frame. So on the doors, it's a very quick buying cycle, right? Because you can knock on the door and walk away with a contract 20 minutes later. That's not a reality for the majority of our listeners, nor for what we sell today in the software world. But you're going to get concerns throughout the buying cycle, and you need to look for them throughout the cycle. And I also recommend 
documenting the concerns they have and making sure that by the end of the cycle, you have fully helped them understand that that concern is something we can resolve. So it's not just about their pain points. It's about how they see their pain points. It's about how we can resolve those pain points. And you got to be perceptive. You got to be perceptive. You have to, you know, as you're looking at someone, as you're talking to them, as you're listening to them, make sure that as you go past it, you can feel free to come back and you can literally come back and say, Ron, did that address your concern? Like, is there anything else you want to talk about around that? Draw it out. Because sometimes people will make a conclusion and if they've concluded that you're wrong or they've concluded that their way, their current method or their other vendor is better, you're going to lose. So you've got to be perceptive and see where they're at and then try to draw it out. And even in prospecting, you, you need to do that. In fact, I want to shorten this up. I think this is probably a, an important conversation to have uh, in terms of concerns because we talk about big concerns. Like if somebody says something like, you know, we, we currently have another solution in place, right? That's a big concern. And to draw that out, right, and to discuss that, that's a longer conversation. But when you're doing something like prospecting, from a sales perspective, they're calling out there, you're not getting them to decide on buying a, a massive software spend. You're getting them to decide to spend five minutes with you <laughs> or decide to spend 90 seconds with you. So you can actually handle objections very quickly about specific concerns, so just to kind of give an example, if somebody just tells you, I'm too busy, I don't have time to talk to you right now, you can handle that objection really well. And you can try to handle it, even if it's just like a brush off, treated like an objection. They really don't have a lot of time. To say, no, I, I completely understand. I, I called you out of the blue. That acknowledges it, but it also shows confidence. I, I completely called you out of the blue. But I actually had some ideas and some things that we're working with with a lot of people that, that do revenue operations like you do. And the ideas and the things that we're doing with these companies really do make a difference. I just want to share a couple of them with you. And if, if it doesn't resonate, if it doesn't make sense, then that's fine. You know, we, we don't need to have a conversation further, but I think we should at least schedule a little bit of time for us to discuss this when you've got more time. So are you available next Wednesday? So you come up with an objection just to get another five, 10 minutes. You handle the objection just to get through and sell a 20 minute meeting by addressing, acknowledging, saying, look, I've got some ideas that are really helping with people. It's going to be worth your time. And then you can move on. It can be that simple. Because you can handle objections just to get you another 20 minutes. And then as you get further and further in a sales cycle, you're going to get bigger, more thoughtful, more authentic concerns yeah. and objections. Yep. Now, when it comes to objections as well, Rusty, I think, you know, I want to also mention that there's this term that we use internally called gray language. And it ties into objections because it's a comment that isn't necessarily an objection, but you can tell that it implies that they're hiding an objection or they're just trying to move the conversation forward. A lot of times it happens at a point where it can feel somewhat contentious, like they disagree with you on a certain topic or something like that. So, you know, examples of it would be like, you know, that could be a possibility in the future. That would be an example of gray language. So they're not committing to anything. If you're like, hey, do you have time to chat next Thursday? They're like, uh, probably not Thursday, but that could be a possibility in the future at another time. Just reach out to me later and we'll, we'll figure out a time. You don't know what the real problem is when it comes to gray language. You actually don't know why they're concerned. 
You don't know why they're not willing to progress, why they're not willing to move forward. And it takes extreme skill to get past the gray language. And sometimes it requires you to just be direct and just ask. And a lot of times in in those scenarios, like you kind of just have to be real with someone because a lot of people appreciate this. So if, if you said something like that, like, oh, it could be possible in the future, my response might be, come on now, Rusty. Are you just trying to blow me off here? Is this something that you're actually interested in talking about? Yeah, put a little humor in there. Put a little humor and and laugh about it and and tell people like, oh, I've heard that a million times before. It could possibly, right? But genuinely, like, what is your concern? Like, why wouldn't you want to meet with me? Why wouldn't you be interested in having another conversation about what we offer? And just ask for more detail. Get real with them, put some humor into it, and ask for a little bit more detail because that gray language will kill you every time. Yeah, you can't let it go. Yeah, people use it to avoid confrontation. They use it because they don't like to say no. It's uncomfortable to say no. It is. And it's okay if your prospect is like, I'm not interested. I'm not at all interested in what you're offering me. I recently had this experience where I had an SDR contact me to try and sell me a certain service. And I'm genuinely not interested in that service right now. It's, it's for a BPO. Like they want us, they want to do some outsourcing sales dev work, just genuinely like not saying that it's not a good thing to do because I think there's a time for it. But right now with what I'm focusing on in my organization, it's not of any interest to me and that's okay. It doesn't mean I'm not going to be interested in six months, but I'm just genuinely not interested in it currently right now. So I may have used gray language with that person, and and it's possible that that person's going to reach back out to me next month and say, hey, how about now, right? And it's not going to be something I'm interested in in the near future. It could be something for next year, potentially, but not in the near future. And that's all right. Yeah, and, and when you're selling anything, you know, especially like in a, in a complex sell as well, as you're, you're having larger conversations and you start hearing gray language from maybe someone who isn't your direct champion or the person you've been working with, you can also, if it's like a public meeting, call that person after the call and say, hey, you know, Ron seemed to have concerns around X. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Can you find out for me what's going on? Or you can call that person directly and just say, hey, you know, I didn't want to say anything on the call, but it seemed like there was maybe a concern around this area. Can we discuss it? And you can draw it out and have success. And kind of as a, as a last point, just like as a couple of last tips, right. As we kind of finish up this podcast around some of the best practices around objection handling and the AAA methodology is take a pause. When you hear a concern, stay calm, slow down, be very concise, talk a little less. You should be able to actually address any specific concern within about 10 to 20 seconds. So acknowledge it, validate it, slow down, minimize the language. Then when you start to address it, you can maximize it, but don't over speak. Don't go too far into it. Just tell a quick story, share a statistic or a statement, and then end by asking a question to progress forward. And you can ask a question to make sure that that concern was specifically addressed, or you can ask questions that will progress past it. And as you do that, as you kind of use some of those best practices, you'll find a lot of success. And just remember that objections are good. People need to go through all of those concerns. They need to surface their issues 
and they need to be addressed right. And you can't let them go. Let them go, you lose. So as long as they're all addressed and everything's in the affirmative and everybody feels great about it, you're going to win that deal. If you let the gray language slip, if you let concerns be brought up and you just ignore it, if you don't validate people's concerns, don't listen to them and feel like you're connecting with them, they're not going to want to address it with you and they're going to trust you less. So by following some of those principles, you're going to have a lot more success. And that's a little bit of a sales prescription for you for the day. Love it. Love it. I mean, just look for objections, guys. Honestly, like, don't be afraid of them. Look for them. Expect them. Be excited about them. Let them, you know, make you feel like you've accomplished something more when you can overcome them. And just realize it's okay. It's okay if they have them. It's the right thing. Very cool. All right. Well, thanks for everybody for listening to the Sales Prescription Podcast today. You can find us on LinkedIn. You can see us on Spotify, Apple, or anywhere else that you look for podcasts. Please feel free to reach out to us. We're happy to do any kind of training, consulting, or work with you. And we just want you guys to be successful. We love our listeners, and we're here to help you to be successful. Thanks, everybody. Thanks. Thanks.